0: Welcome to World Build with us, the podcast where we create fantastical worlds with help from you, our listeners. My name is Rob Hilferty, and I'm here with my co-hosts, Daniel Quinn and Chris Prunty. Today, we have a very special interview with the creators of any award-winning Morkborg, which is just, it's just as, as the ad copy would say, a spiked flail to the face of game design. And we're going to cut to that now. And welcome to World Build with us. We are joined here with Johan and Pele, creators of any award-winning product of the year, Morkborg. Gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us today.
1: Thank you. Yeah.
2: Thank you yeah. for having us here. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, so I, I kind of want to start by asking you all about any, you know, like the whole any's process. But before we do. Uh, Why don't you go ahead and introduce yourselves for those of us who might not know you very well.
2: Right. Sure. You want to go first, Pelle? Should I? Uh, I
1: I can go first, sure. Uh, Go ahead. I'm Pelle Nilsson and uh, I live in Stockholm in Sweden and uh, I wrote the game uh, Merkborg, And uh, yeah, so I'm a writer. That's the thing I can do. (laughs) <laughs> yeah,
2: yeah. Um, and I am Johan Nord, and I don't live in Stockholm, uh, Sweden, but I, I live in Sweden in the, in the rural areas. Um, and I am the graphic design slash art person who previously was part of a company called Jan Ringen, who was later uh, like merged together with Free League. So I've been working on stuff like Simba Room and. Uh, Mutant Year Zero and stuff like that. But this is, the, yeah, this is my absolute favorite game, of course, <laughs> to work with.
0: Again, congratulations on Product of the Year and, you know, Best Game. What was it? Best Game, Best Art, Best Writing, Product of the Year. Like, those are those are some pretty... No,
2: nah, it was, uh, yeah, it was Product of the Year. It was Silver in Best Game. The Alien role-playing game won gold in that. Um, and then it was, what was it? Best writing and best layout and design. Yeah, I think that was yeah. uh, crazy. Much <laughs> it was not what we anticipated. We were we were shocked. We we hoped that we would win maybe one award, but four? Nah.
0: No. <laughs> yeah, and it's. I mean, I, I think it's fairly well deserved. One of the things that really strikes me, besides like the, uh, you know, as as the description says, a a spiked flail to the face when it comes to design is really just how crisp and sharp the prose is in a lot of cases i was going through it earlier today and just some of the just some of the really just beautiful imagery that kind of gets evoked is just so it's it's so evocative and it's like man I w- have you ever read something you're like man i wish i could write like that i get that constantly from the prose in this book and it's really fantastic so i i just wanted to heap praise where it's due And, uh, that's where I'm going to start. So I, I just want to get, I want to get it out of the way now so I can have a regular interview for the rest of this.
3: We need to be able to nerd out a little bit on that. Yeah, absolutely. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you. Uh,
0: So, uh, one thing I do, I, I tend to ask a lot of people is where, where people grow up tends to have a lot of impact on their design and how they're, kind of world building comes into it. And how, how do you think growing up, I'm assuming that both of you grew up in Sweden, how do you think that growing up in Sweden affected the kind of writing and world building
1: process that you put into Morkborg? There was quite a big role, tabletop role playing scene in Sweden during the 80s. Uh, we had some uh, big games, not very well-known outside of Sweden maybe, but they sold like 100,000 games uh, of one particular game. And uh, yeah, so we grew up in that tradition. And uh, there has been some kind of way to write role-playing games in Sweden, I guess. We wanted to do quite the opposite, I think, to that uh, tradition. Uh, with yeah straight straight columns and uh, uh, yeah the kind of art and uh, and so on it... and
2: also the way like you'd um, like talk about a world you present a game text-wise, like because it's yeah it's, it's almost it's... always like these long paragraphs and these like almost like a f- uh, like a fa- fact uh, book that's not the word uh, but like. A school book almost but we wanted to like challenge that and do something different but i i think like to um get back to your question that i think the way that we played games in early swedish days here might have affected us because we don't have that uh really that like american tradition that maybe not a lot of other games have i'm not sure exactly how it affected the game though but i'm sure it is there
0: we've we've talked to a couple creators like one Uh, one from Australia, the other from Texas, and just seeing how their kind of inspiration comes from, you know, the heat or what an aboriginal culture that's kind of in their life daily, how it affects how they approach world building and just the creative process in general has been really interesting.
4: Uh, While you can see a lot of the heavy metal influence and everything, I don't know how much of a global phenomenon it was of the dnd and this satanic panic but a lot of this just reads of the games my mother was terrified i would play, <laughs> and uh i was wondering like was that intentional or were you aiming for that
2: not really not not that, <laughs> not that specifically but i do love when people say that because uh, i was like oh fuck i thought i wish that we thought of that <laughs> because that's that's, mm-hmm. that's hilarious but I guess I mean I can only speak for my uh, part of it. I mean, I mean, Pelle wrote the whole setting, but uh, I guess that it was just our taste in music and culture that sort of spilled through, in a way, uh, and it became this sort of heavy metal world. But I think there's also maybe not too clear, but there are some like Swedish, f- not folklore, but like s- some of the myths and stuff from from here, uh, hidden here and there in the
1: book. Uh, yeah, that's true. And uh, also the way that I wrote the game uh, yeah. is, yeah, uh, it's a bit harsh, harsh. Uh, uh, maybe I think that is a cultural thing as well. And also that uh, we wanted to condense all the things that we thought were important and not... Uh, flesh it out too, too much. Yeah. We wanted to keep you know, like a skeleton text and not even like, you know. yeah, we, we removed a lot of things that yeah.
2: uh, a lot of games have because like our t- target audience was always people who had already played a lot of games who already knew the stuff. So
1: we I'm- didn't want, yeah, we didn't want that. What is a role playing game thing, which is in it's, uh, in all the books. It's like what is a role-playing game, and uh, what it, uh, what is uh, dice eight, eight? Uh, uh, yeah. So we didn't want to. And I guess uh, uh, too much
2: detail. yeah, yeah. And I I think it works. I mean, it, it's it's not. I mean, you you wouldn't call this game very educational or like easy to read, but I think it works regardless for some reason. Like. Because yeah, most of the people who buy it, I think, have some experience in role playing games, or s- someone in the group has, so they'll
1: figure it out. Yeah, but I, I've heard some guys that never played role playing games before, and they yeah. they were they were intrigued by by the art, and and then enjoyed the text <laughs> afterwards, <laughs> and yeah. uh, they started to play without explaining. Uh, Yeah, that is a role-playing game and
2: so on. That's quite amazing, actually, because like, when I, I think I read that one as well, it was someone like, oh, this is my first role-playing game, and I just thought, no, don't buy this one, (laughs) just (laughs) Just buy something else, (laughs) just, so yeah, maybe it works.
4: I had actually shared this to some of my friends who don't (laughs) go anything with role-playing games, but they do love uh, anything occult. And uh, I was looking at your webpage where it has the Morkbork uh, approved content. Uh, what is that symbol like? Who made it? it does it have? It, it seems to have a whole bunch of different references with runes, symbols.
2: Well, just oh, uh, that. Uh, yeah, that was. Uh, that came to me in a dream. No. <laughs> 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 um, well, it's, it's it's a symbol. There are no hey, who am I kidding? It's just uh, gibberish, you know. <laughs> Damn. <laughs> now there are some some things there, but yeah, that's that's that's, that's in the world. That's kind of like the symbol of uh, Nebuchadnezzar, who is the evil god behind all stuff, you know, uh, the ruin of 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 the apocalypse and of the end, maybe. Oh. So, yeah, that's that was. Really cool. It's become something of a symbol and a logo almost for for the game, uh, and especially for the Morkborg cult.
3: Speaking of your inspirations um, in traditional like D and D, there's the Appendix N, um, you know that kind of indicates yeah. all of the, in, in the the literature and such. Um, what would be your Appendix M for Morkborg, if you had to think of from a design perspective, and then also from a writing perspective?
2: Um, I think we actually have an appendix, anime, but it's in the beginning of the book. It's that little list, you know, music that helped with all the bands and all the music. Like, that's the first thing I think you should go to um, to get a feel of what the game is about. But
0: yeah, the Spotify playlist that you guys have online is incredibly <laughs> helpful to set a tone and a theme for a game like Mortborg.
3: Borg. Are there any, like, personal ones that you have um so that are like when you were growing up for example or um you know whether it's in film or literature or specifically since you're you know as a designer were there things like not game related that really inspired you
2: um for me i mean I'm a, I'm a big fan of like magazine design and stuff like that so a lot of the my design inspiration comes from editorial design um and also, like you know, band posters and gig posters and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Um, visually, like that's just the design part. But I think visually, like for the art, I think uh, like I don't know, video game art and also like occult art from like the way way back, like medieval and and new, uh, like more contemporary stuff. But also like creepy pasta art, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like the stuff you see on Reddit or I don't know the Forwarded images
3: from like, uh, yeah, like the the thin man or the exactly, yeah, yeah, yeah. like yeah,
2: like all that stuff. So
3: yeah, I get that a lot from
0: gutterborn scum. Like I I just think of like uh, Jeff the Killer whenever I see that. Yeah, exactly,
2: (laughs) exactly. (laughs) So lots, lot of that. What do you say, Pelle?
1: Yeah, I agree. And uh, text-wise, I was thinking a lot about that as well. That. Uh, I didn't want to have too much text on every page. It should be uh, yeah, uh, easy to read the book. Uh, I mean, it takes like uh, 10 minutes to read the setting, for yeah. example. And uh, I think uh, combat is one spread or maybe two spreads if you count the armor and stuff like that. Mm. Uh, so, yeah.
2: I mean, the whole the whole book is basically just four pages, but spread out. <laughs> in, in Simpl- book.
1: Simplicity
3: is like a, a major inspiration, I'd say. That's for sure. Yeah. Also, yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, it's yeah.
0: thematic too, isn't it? Like, it's you're trying to get away with this stark and really, like, isolating setting. And what better way to do that than to have that reflected in the text mixed with the art, right? Right. Yeah.
2: Yeah, exactly. Yeah. And also like the way um, all, like half of the rules in this book are optional because you're supposed to kind of like hack it yourself and mix it up to become this the, the like your own system and that's also like supportive with all the Merkberg cult stuff on the web that you can cut and paste and build your own thing and I think that also is kind of connected to this whole punk scene aesthetic in a way, like it's all cut and pasted and also, you know, that's maybe something about how the world also in the in the game uh, is changing and falling apart. And, uh, yeah.
1: Like... and yeah, and and we so, there are lots of questions about uh, different things in the setting that's not very clear. And I guess mm-hmm. that that was something that I was aiming for, uh, uh, so that uh, everyone. Everyone can make it uh, your own setting. And uh, I think we succeeded there because there are lots of people that, you know, write adventures and make their own classes. And yeah, um, yeah, stuff like that.
3: One of the things I really enjoy on that point is that it it lends itself to interpretation, like especially this passages about the basilisk and like the history that sets up the world. Like, there's multiple ways to read it, and I think like a lot of RPGs aren't don't do that because they really want to lay it all on the ground for you and like pin pin it down. And what's strange about this book, and I think amazing about it, is that it's it's not pinned down in that way.
1: Yeah, we get we get get some questions. Uh, from people that want to have the answer <laughs> on, <laughs> on what is necrable and what is what, where did the two-headed basilisks come from and stuff mm-hmm. like that, and we we don't want to give that away, and and uh, most of the times uh, we don't know.
2: No, <laughs> actually, yeah, but we, we we almost always say like, oh, this is my personal interpretation, but whatever. Whatever happens at your table is the game. Like we, we we don't own the game anymore. Once you bought it, like it, it's yeah. yours, right? So, uh, and we yeah we we tend to avoid giving like official answers because I think that's super dangerous for a game to have like this this true <laughs> like answer uh, that you because that I think uh, that stops people from interpreting rules themselves and to make it theirs. So. Yeah.
1: I guess it's the same with uh, most of the musicians with their and bands with describing their lyrics and what it means. Uh, hmm. Not many bands do that. They don't want to talk about the lyrics, and it's, yeah, it's a little great. bit, a little bit like that with Merkborg
2: yeah, It's like death of the author, really. So it's not, it's not our world anymore. No.
0: Yeah, I think one of the most dangerous things that a lot of rpgs do is put stats to things that don't need them because once things have like a stat block they tend to lose their power and mystery Mm. and i I think that you kind of nailed it with the death of the author right like that's not on us at this point it's not your game anymore once you've put it out in the world
2: no exactly so and we even encourage people to like destroy the physical book because it's not ours like,
1: like you would for the never hungry. do that. Never <laughs> do
2: that. <laughs> no, it's also just Beautiful. a capitalistic scheme for you to buy more books. No,
4: but <laughs> <Built> in mechanic.
2: <laughs>
1: exactly.
0: Yeah. Look, it's very difficult to buy the book when it's consistently out I of print. Know.
3: Okay.
1: <laughs> <laughs> right. Yeah. Some some people have been waiting for like two or three months shipping time from I waited for my three
3: months I was okay with that it's worth it
2: <laughs> it's, it's just painful to see that because I just want people to get the book now like if mm-hmm. like all these stories about uh, delays with shipping because of covid and everything I'm like fuck just I want people to have the book <laughs> like, oh yeah. So,
3: yeah well I can tell you the sentiment online is that everyone is happy to wait because the product is worth the wait. <clears throat>
1: Yeah, Yeah, this
0: um, is one of the few physical books that I desperately need in my life. Right. (laughs) Like it's this is one of the things, like, oh, I want to see it and hold it and feel it. Like I think there's been this shift towards (laughs) PDFs a lot of the Mm. time recently. You know, there's a digitization of the hobby. But I think that Morkborg in particular is one of those books where like, no, fuck PDFs. Mm. We want the physical (laughs) book. We want to feel that embossed, like beautiful. Yeah, anyway. Yeah.
2: No, but we we didn't even want to have a PDF uh, at first.
1: We we didn't have a PDF pledge in the Kickstarter uh, for for the core book uh, in the beginning, but uh, there were so many people complaining about that, so we added that.
2: yeah but some of them actually had very good reasons like why they couldn't have physical books and whatnot yes but but yeah but we didn't want it and we also encouraged everyone to just okay we're going to send out the pdfs but do not look at them like please (laughs) 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 and people actually like follow like they did that they they waited they had the pdf but they didn't open it because as we said oh trust me it's going to be worth it like you don't want to ruin your first uh you know uh opening of the book but yeah
3: Yeah. Can, anyway. can I ask um, about the, the printing process and getting the publishing process straightened out? Because the the amount of work that I can see went into like putting together the print product seems to be really high. So I'm curious <laughs> if you could take us through, you know, the font selection and what was that like to really envision putting this together.
2: Oh shit! You opened a box now. Okay. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, but I uh, uh, basically when we did this because. At first, it was going to be not a hardcover book, but just a scene, just a small, Mm. even like print on demand, because we didn't have very high ambitions at first. But then as we uh, got the promise from Free League that they were going to publish it, we kind of thought, oh, fuck it, we'll do a hardcover and we'll do it. Uh, The the biggest, baddest book we can make, you know, Uh, and we... Basically, I think we actually got like a list of things from the printing house that they could do, uh, like features and all the different embosses and and everything. And they asked us which ones we wanted, and we just said all, the, all of funny? them. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> all of them. Give us all everything. Yes. How yeah. how the hell can we you know you know get uh, gold foil in here? Like it doesn't fit on the cover. I'll just, <laughs> just do it on the on the inside. Uh, can we can we print on the ribbon? Yeah, we can. Okay, cool. How, how do <laughs> <Seriously? laughs> So it ended up being like twenty four different PDFs that we sent to the printer. Wow. Of different embossed templates, yeah. and that was the most stressful days of my life, actually, to send that oh, stuff wow. in two languages as well. It's, it's English and Swedish. <laughs> so, but yeah, and. As for like typefaces, I don't know. I kind of saw it as a challenge to myself to just break all the rules that I've learned as a graphic designer, because you're you're used to you're like you're not supposed to have more than like three or four fonts in a project. So I I wanted to try out like what what happens if I just screw that rule and just have a hundred fonts? What what happens? So it was much of like a lot of uh, very much an experiment. The whole book, uh, and we didn't know if it would fly or just blow up when we send it to print so
1: yeah like, uh, like like i told you before we started the interview we expected a lot more bad reviews because of this mm. uh, you know messing with the design rules but uh, everyone has been very positive almost everyone so mm. that's real
2: but also like how you write the game because you you don't explain rules the same way other games do and like yeah
1: yeah you, I was also, yeah, I was expecting lots of uh, critique about that as well, uh, you know, the, uh, because there nothing was explained and the, the, it was so the extremely rules light game. But so far, almost everyone has been yeah. uh, quite positive about uh, the text as well.
2: Yeah, we'll see how long it lasts. Yes.
1: Yeah, if you could go into extreme detail about the
0: one bad review that really sticks out in
1: your mind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I think, I think uh, there was some guy on Reddit or something that yeah, yeah. wanted to destroy the book or
2: something. No, no, no. He said um, it, was, it was a quote. Uh, uh, I think the quote was, I, uh, at this point, I don't even care about the game. Just looking at the book makes me want to set it on fire.
3: What? Yeah. Wow. And do- Insane.
2: And we use that as a as an ad. Like we put it in.
3: I <laughs> <laughs> have bad takes, but that's seriously the worst thing I've heard.
2: Like, yeah, that, you're supposed to light it on fire. So I can.
3: Guess- <laughs> can you
0: can no, you go yeah. back to that Reddit thread and then post the any results for best game?
2: design? <laughs> 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 uh, he, we- he deleted his his, his account in
3: yeah, yeah, so. shame. Yeah. yeah pure shame. <laughs> would, tell us about the website too. Cause that's an amazing extension of the book. Um,
2: I don't know. Like we, we made a website and, <laughs> uh, I'm not really sure what, what else I can say. Uh, I kind of <laughs> wanted it to, to also have the same tone and feel as the book. Um, but also be functional. And in a way, like as I'm rusting it now, I kind of realize what I've done. I, the first it, it's kind of set up the same way as the book, really, because the first part of the book is really like this presentation and there's a lot of aesthetics, and the last part is uh, more functional and more easy to use. Same same thing with the book, with the adventure being uh, completely different and more like user friendly. So I guess yeah. it kind of mirrors the book in a way. So
3: it has the same user experience, I think. Um, Trek that you're doing, like the book ha- has UX in a way that you don't notice, even though it's so chaotic, and the the website does the same thing, which
2: is yeah. Cool. Right. But now we come to this problem, I think, where we, we have way more like Merkbrick cult uh, stuff than we anticipated. So it's just going to be a huge <laughs> list. So I'll see if, if I'll have to do something else. But that is, yeah, that's been crazy. People have been sending us so much
1: stuff. and Yeah, yeah, yeah I think we have one and a half years' work ahead. Uh, yeah. if we want yeah. to at can, least uh, use everything
2: there's like 50 different uh, items in our mailbox right now just waiting for review it's like classes and adventures and items and tables and it's so much good stuff and we've been we've been both saying to ourselves like this a lot of this is like better than what we do like (laughs)
1: yeah yeah i can't i can't try it anymore
2: <laughs> we just retired, like oh fuck this. <laughs> no, but so we're not done. Far from, like it's gonna be so much more coming.
0: A lot of that's uh, cult related, I would imagine.
2: Yeah, a lot of it, uh, not not all though.
0: Yeah. Speaking of occult stuff in general, I, I this is more for Pele. Um, I I love a lot of like the myth and the world building stuff that's in the book. Especially when, especially when it just comes to like the really simple stuff like the, the, the miseries in particular, the occult treasures, how much of the occult treasures and the miseries are based in myth and real, like real world occult objects? And how much is that is just sprung whole cloth from you and your creative process?
1: I think it's, uh, and Johan uh, did some of those occult treasure tables as well. Uh, was working on that i think it's a, a mix of the, uh imagination from, uh, coming from me or from yuan and some some myth and some yeah like i think there's a furpa or something like, like that like, like the music band mm. and that's a, that's an actual item
2: and some of the um, phrases, some of the miseries, are uh, direct quotes from Nostradamus, from his real, mm-hmm. real things.
0: That makes so much more sense now, actually. <laughs>
2: <laughs> yeah, because I remember I was I was listening to like a podcast documentary about Nostradamus, uh, and that kind of uh, made the idea, like, gave me the idea of like, oh, maybe we should have like psalms as this thing, you know, maybe we should present it as psalms. And we basically, yeah, we we copied some of the real stuff because we thought it it carried more weight that way. Like if it's real, like a huge, uh, like, uh, what's it called? Uh, It's like it's it's not real, but it's (laughs) from his (laughs) prophecies, at least. Uh, so, So, yeah, like some of them are historical in a way.
1: In the beginning, there was no setting for the game.
2: Are you that are you uh, making
1: on. a new prophecy now? Like <laughs> what, what in
2: the beginning? <laughs>
1: yeah. Yes. Uh, we we did the rules first and the, and uh, the classes, and I think you you asked me, Yuan, uh, should shouldn't we have a setting? So I said, okay. oh, uh, I don't know, but uh, then I uh, I changed my mind and, and wrote a setting very fast paced. I wrote it in a couple of days, I think. Wow. Yeah.
2: yeah, the whole book was written very fast and produced very fast. It was like this, this just rage that we made it in <laughs> we not didn't, we didn't sit down and contemplate much. And I think I think actually the uh, misery mechan- the mechanic was changed, like right before we sent it to print, like it was completely yeah. different first. But I think someone on like on Discord uh, had some opinions about the way it worked before, and then we changed it because of that. I'm very happy that we did because I think it works out really well now.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah,
2: it's it's okay. Yes,
3: <laughs> this might be an opportunity to ask about uh, the OSR scene uh, since that has to deal with some mechanics and to what degree it inspires you. Where um, how do you situate uh, Morkborg in the context of the OSR? And maybe what is the OSR for those who don't oh. know? Yeah. <laughs>
2: yeah, what is it <laughs> anymore? Who knows?
3: You guys, yeah.
2: But I think I think we both we both played a lot of games that call themselves OSR, and as part of that scene, I guess. And yeah. Yeah. This is.
1: I, I, I took. I was quite inspired by uh, minimalistic. Uh, rule books or, or games like uh, The Black Hack and Into the Odd, mm-hmm. those kind of games with very sparse or easy rules that you can remember. And uh, But I was also inspired by, you know, Zero Edition Dungeons and Dragons. And uh, I was reading that those three uh, books quite a lot and and uh, but there it was more like I don't I don't want to have it like this like <laughs> like like like, like uh, yeah it's quite hard to read those books uh, it's uh, yeah. mess a bit messy and stuff like that uh, and we I wanted quite the opposite regarding the the rules <laughs> uh, and
2: I I think because uh, we have we, I think we call it OSR. like we describe it as OSR. Uh, some sometimes, just because it's uh, like it is compatible in a way to other games in the OSR genre, but more or less like it's not exactly like D and D rules. But you can quite easily adapt it if you want to play other like adventures or use other modules from other games. So but I'm not sure what's what what's happening with that label anymore if, if it even is important to keep.
0: It's one think, of those nebulous uh, phrases that is it, it it originally meant something really specific. Yeah. And now it just kind of exploded out to mean, you know, anything at this right. point. Yeah. It's like an
3: inspiration. I think now like it's mm-hmm. it's it's for those of us who want to like play something that's not just D and D or the big modern mainstream. We're finding all these amazing indie games. So it's like useful, I guess, to have some association with it. Cause I was thinking of the OSR and I just discovered it like recently myself and I found a yeah. more where I'm like, wow, this is the feeling I want out of my RPG, you know, like out of my gaming experience. So that's why I asked. All oh, right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I personally started with, like, a lot of really crunchy systems. Like, my mm-hmm. first RPGs were 3 and 3.5 for D&D, which is a mm-hmm. lot of numbers and a lot of bookkeeping. And then switched yeah. over to Pathfinder, which is even more numbers and flowcharts. <laughs> and
4: was still after Thacko.
3: Yes, and yet still after Thacko, yeah. And, and, and you but, know what? I would go back to that, considering all the complexities we have today. <laughs>
0: but Well, no... What what ended up happening is that I ended up just designing my own game. Mm. Well, not designing, but like hacking Pathfinders and trimming it down to the point where it's like, I might as well play a different game. And then started my descent into, you know, the very full bookshelf that I have next to me of indie games. And I, I think there's something that speaks to simplicity when it comes to these adventure type games you know we don't want to we want to care and focus more about the setting and the feel mm. of the game as opposed to well what's your plus two modifier it, well <laughs> right, yeah. that you get a negative three this turn you know like, it's that, like oh. yeah like, but also no, like
2: I, these these super rules heavy games they they kind of restrict what you can do because you can only do what's allowed within the system like if you want to yeah like I want to leap from a, from a roof and attack a guy. Like, Oh, do you have the rooftop leap? It's like, no, <laughs> <laughs>
1: sorry. First you're going to have
4: to jump. Then you're going to have to land with an acrobatics and then, yeah. Oh, I'm sorry. You failed two of the three rolls to do the one thing. Yeah.
2: Exactly. Yeah. So it's easier to just have, okay, I'll give you plus two. Okay, cool. Go. Cool. So.
0: And, and, and you say that right where it's like, Oh, it's restrictive. And I think that, to me, it's, it's kind of indicative of a move towards video games for the big publishers anyway. Mm-hmm. And for me, a lot of what I love about role-playing games is that it, it, it's not role-play. It's not, a, it's not a video game. I can actually do whatever the fuck I want to do. Right. And there's no <laughs> wrong yeah. answer. Yeah. Uh, and that's, and that's what I love about it. Right. Is And, and so this OSR is, is kind of, more what I would want to do anyway, which I know doesn't sound very smart, but I don't feel <laughs> like that is, yeah, that hope. is the thing that I want to do and I will do it.
1: Go ahead. Go ahead. <laughs>
3: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what, what, um, follow up question on that, um, for, for in- indie game designers that are coming onto the scene, they're like, all right, I want to do something different. You know, I want to do something cool. I'm inspired by Morkborg. What advice would you give them from a design perspective?
2: Fuck the rules. Just do whatever you want. <laughs>
1: yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah.
2: Like don't don't look at other RPGs for inspiration. Look elsewhere. Like look look at anything else. Literally. Like I don't know cookbooks or uh, record uh, covers or I don't know anywhere but role playing games, <laughs> because <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's so easy to be stuck in old patterns and yeah, mm-hmm. and nothing is sacred. Like you're allowed to break rules.
1: We, yeah, I think uh, we don't feel like um, maybe writers and designers. Uh, it's more like we have a band together and we have rehearsals and doing stuff together. Uh, okay. it, that kind of feeling I have. Uh, the mu- music is uh, much more important than uh, other uh, role-playing games. Uh, actually. And yeah. We just have a f- great time together. And, yeah. yeah. And, just jam, exactly. Yeah. Jamming.
0: Yeah. yeah. And it's it's a bit early, but I feel like that segue is just so strong that I feel like we should roll into the world building jam session. Uh gentlemen, do you have any other questions before we do that?
3: Um I have Tons of questions, but I'm going to have to yeah. just, you know, I'm going to have to live with it. <laughs> okay.
4: Yeah, I just want to play.
3: I, I will. Can I read one one um, thing that I got? So Red, I had asked Reddit to give us some questions. want to read one statement they had. They at, they said, also, will you be taking more of my money again this year with another release of any kind? Please take more of my money. <laughs> yeah. The answer well, is we yes. We can answer that later. <laughs> uh, well, the answer
2: is yes, in short. <laughs> we'll figure right. something out.
0: Excellent. Uh, yeah, we, we could probably go on for another 30 minutes pretty easily just chatting about anything. But we're going to roll into the world build with us jam. And so the way that this works is we're going to be rolling a bunch of dice and figuring out the genre, whether it be between science fiction, fantasy, horror, modern day romance, which I would actually really love to see for this one <laughs> or 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 we'd be rolling uh, rolling twice and combining the two together. Uh, then we would choose a subject between an item, a monster, a place, a historical figure, an event, or again we'd be rolling two and combining them. And then we have a then once those are done, we have a theme, and the themes are between madness, sacrifice, love, metamorphosis, pride and honor, the unspeakable, triumph and hope. And then once we've got a good idea of what we're working with in that. Then we throw in a twist and there's too many of those. I'm not going to read them all off, but we basically just take the idea and try and fuck it up as much as possible with the twist. So we're going to roll some dice and we're going to start off with the genre.
2: I love this. Yeah, it's going to be fun. We need some fully work. <laughs> uh,
0: okay. I swear this yeah. isn't a work.
3: Please but I romance. did
0: roll romance. I oh. did actually roll romance. <laughs> yes.
3: Cool. I, sh-
2: I
0: shouldn't have said anything. But okay. <laughs> next, we have the subject. Uh We have a monster. So
2: the theme next, is romance, or just making notes. The-,
0: the genre is romance. Oh, right. So yeah. think Mercedes Lackey, it, or, right. or if you want to talk about it from an RPG design, think of like Blue Rose or something like that. Awesome. Uh, and then and then we have the theme. So we're going to start off. Uh, which is madness. Okay. (laughs) So our genre is romance. Our subject is a monster and the theme is madness. So uh, as our honored guests, you have the first go. You can basically just start creating whatever you think is appropriate for everything that we've designed. And we'll go from there. (laughs)
2: right so how does this work is this like within the bounds of our game or just not at all whatever this
0: this is pure this is pure fiction whatever the fuck we want to do at all whatsoever so yeah (laughs) we're looking for a
3: premise basically yeah uh,
0: yeah, start with a premise and then we go from there
3: okay
2: (laughs) well i mean uh, my first idea was that you play um, basically like a monster dating sim. Okay, so, <laughs> so you, have all, you have all these all these different beasts. They can be traditional like Dungeons and Dragons esque monsters, or it can be more like Uh, folklore-ish. uh But they, yeah, that you you play monsters and you want to um, find your the love of your life. Basically, uh, you can, however, uh, fall into your like monster monster traits or like your animalistic nature in a way thats where where the madness comes into so like okay so maybe you are uh i don't know same name a monster anything Mm -hmm. just a a goblin goblin. okay so you're a goblin right so you want to find a goblin uh uh soulmate (laughs) but if you fail this role whatever then you become more of this monster goblin then i don't know Can this work?
0: (laughs) Actually, I kind of have an idea based around that. I like the idea that we're going with here. And I think part of it could be maybe your monsters masquerading as humans. And when you fail your, your madness check or whatever, you start to devolve and show a little bit more of your monstrous side. So it's a matter of you're hiding. You know, like you're basically three goblins in a trench coat with a mask on. Three goblins in a know,
3: trench coat, that's the name of the game. That's the yeah. name of the
0: game,
2: yeah. <laughs> and, then,
0: and then when the madness kicks in, it's a matter of, like, you see a rat, you now have to eat that rat, that, that type oh. of thing.
2: Right. Yeah. right. Okay, right. so for madness is more like composure in a way, or like the stat yeah. where you, yeah.
3: Sure. That's yeah. cool, that's cool. You control your animal instinct. Steal
2: everything <laughs> in sight. Yeah,
3: yeah, yeah, yeah. This yeah. is like the furry anime. What was the one that we reviewed?
4: Beastars.
2: Yeah, there yes. you go. Yeah. That's so cool. So and and you realize because you read this like party or whatever, and you realize that half of these people are actually monsters in disguise. So, yeah. <laughs> uh,
0: can can you find true love if it's with another monster, or is there something specific where it's like you have to find a human mate for whatever reason. It's not just like you can be with another monster.
2: But then in the end, you realize that you don't have to, you know, disguise yourself. You can be the goblins and, you you know, you will find love anyway.
0: Yeah. See, that's, no. too, that's too sweet that's and saccharine for I me. Love that. Yeah, no.
2: <laughs> I, think it I, could, I think that could work. But but yeah, I get what you're saying.
3: There's yeah. a question for you, though. I said, a question like, what about regular humans? Are they a part of this? Ones they're, that aren't actually monsters.
2: They're also monsters.
4: <laughs> they're awesome. Haven't you met humans? We're all exactly. Monsters.
3: <laughs> yeah.
2: they are the actual monsters all along. Oh.
0: Well, actually, I think that's I think that's thematically appropriate because if these monsters have to hide, like, then obviously the humans are some kind of oppressive, like, yeah. total totalitarian, like, okay. awful people. Who are subjugating the monsters in some way, forcing them to hide?
2: Yeah, I mean they hunt and kill them for experience. So
3: yeah, oh, my-
2: you're dating adventurers?
3: <laughs> yes. Oh my god, <laughs> dating adventurers? Yeah, in
2: a dungeon. Yeah, they're cool. just
3: trying to find love, and the humans are killing them, and they're they're hiding among them, basically. Exactly.
4: Yeah, can you find
2: love in a dungeon?
3: <laughs> oh Love and a is another perfect title. Oh
2: my that's god! That's great. Yeah, and like three through, through goblins and a trench coat—that's just one adventure that you <laughs> <laughs> Yes,
3: yes. <laughs> Each person uh... plays
2: an independent goblin. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, oh, that would be awful. I or play you this. Like, Oh no! Th- this is oh. God. I think that's this like,
4: is like everybody is Frank, or what is the name of that
2: game? Yeah, that's the, that's the that's the name. Yeah, where you're all <laughs> like part of the, his mind or whatever.
0: Yeah, we—that's cool.
2: So you're all like part of this random encounter table where you can approach, you can meet uh, other adventurers in here, and like, oh, there's something with this guy, you know, the way, <laughs> the way his trench coat moves, you know. <laughs> My
0: name is Human. Exactly. <laughs> yeah, I'm a human. Humanity, yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. Hello, fellow I, human. I, yeah, I, I feel <laughs> like we've approached the part where it's now time to throw in a twist, and. Uh, actually, you know, before we do that, uh, Peler, what did you want to contribute? Cause I feel like you have, I, I, I haven't gotten anything from you yet. What, what do you uh, want no, to contribute? not yet. Oh, uh, <laughs> no. <I, I>, yeah. <laughs> you solve the twist for us. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. So we so work on the twist to... together. Yeah. <laughs> all right. Yeah. Let's go. Let's go. I'm going to roll the twist. Oh, cocked. All right. Uh, all right. <laughs> so Pelé, roll now? Just... I had to, I had to because it was cocked. All right. So, (laughs) Haley, I need you to add in some time travel to this somehow. Oh (laughs) my God. (laughs) Time travel. Yes. I don't know how, but it is your your unenviable task to add in some time travel.
4: Marty McFly it.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, maybe uh, the goblins find some kind of, you know, what is it called? Time capsule, or what do you call it? Like a time machine, time machine or something. Some a place they think it's yeah romantic uh, hideaway. Oh, (laughs) let's meet in here. Wherever you go.
2: What? Oh yeah, like oh uh, like a uh, hidden place to like go off and cuddle, and then oops. Yes, (laughs) goblin makeout point.
0: Yeah, no, where
1: some some kind of bottoms. In the machine, which you may never seen before, like red buttons and black buttons and stuff like that.
2: But what happens then? Do you yeah. like go to like the age of the dinosaurs, or like do you change setting or?
1: Uh, some... No, uh, into the future, I think. Okay. Or from this, Whoa. from this fantasy world into like. Uh, uh, a blade runner world or something like
0: that <laughs> oh, oh maybe maybe that's the whole conceit of the premise is that you're goblins who have somehow found a time machine and now it's a world where goblins don't exist and you have to live and romance your way into oh. the modern world or
2: yeah. you could actually or, use this time machine to uh, like if, if you mess up you can go into the time machine and try a different time so you have like Ten different um, uh, settings. Bus, basically. Basically. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Oh
0: man, yeah. 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 So, like,
2: I, I, okay, so so I, I didn't find anyone here in the age of the dinosaurs or whatever. i will just go uh, to the next level, which is uh, like ancient Greece, or you know.
0: for some reason i had like baroque
3: france in mind
2: yeah (laughs) Yeah, that's the best one (laughs) you'll definitely find love you'll find love exactly
3: i love that it's goblins too because the the more you place them in absurd like time periods the more fun it will be you know yeah exactly (laughs) yeah
2: Yeah, so you basically have 10 chances uh before it's game over
0: (laughs) and you have to find your true love between the 10 timelines
2: yeah, but it yes. might be it might be another monster that travels with you, or it might be you know just one of the other goblins that's in your trench coat. <laughs> you know. yeah. In the that's end, call actually...
4: a paradox and fall in love with yourself. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. I don't think that goblins would mind being their own grandparents. In some cases, <laughs> <No>. though, <laughs> like I really don't think it would phase them in any. Oh, sense. and
2: with with time travel, you know, you could you could yeah, it could get complicated when you mm-hmm. meet your uh, yeah you know. But uh <laughs> it's interesting. There's a lot of different uh, tables to roll in on this one, I think.
0: Yeah, this yeah. is ridiculous and I fucking love it. Like this is amazing. So we have three okay, so it's it's like three men and a baby, but it's three goblins in a time machine. Is that
2: <laughs> yeah? <exactly>. Yeah, <laughs> yeah but there, yeah, so it's like three goblins in a trench coat in a time machine looking for love. That's the name yes. of the game. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> That's
3: subtitle looking for love.
0: Look, if if you're looking for new title. IP after Mortberg, I think that yeah. I'm willing to donate this idea. We'll <laughs> sure. kickstart the hell out of this. Yeah, of course. Of yeah. course.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Oh my goodness. All right. Um, well, I I don't think we're gonna get better than that. I think that that was a real quick one, but man, that was that was excellent. Yeah, um So with that, we're just gonna roll right into. The quick fire section of the podcast. So, gentlemen, my wife wants to know, is cereal a soup?
2: Oh, who answers?
0: Uh, Both. (laughs) A consensus must be
2: made. Uh, Cereal is a soup. No.
0: No? Okay. Yes.
2: No. A soup must be. No? Hang on. I'm not going to elaborate. It's just no. (laughs) (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> all right all right all right um uh so uh what have you all been playing recently
2: <clears throat> hmm. have you played anything better uh
1: i have not been playing role-playing games recently i've played uh, board games do um, tell what I,
0: have you been playing for board games
1: uh i think i played a game called grizzle have you heard of it Oh, it's uh, the, yeah, it's the setting is the first world war, and you play it a uh, cooperative two player game. Uh, it's really nice. Uh, then I've played some one deck dungeon, maybe you heard of that uh,
3: cool, game.
1: Though. Yeah, it's that- quite uh, lots of dice, and you can play it solo. I, I played it solo actually. Uh, my, uh, my, my friends had
0: that. I've never actually played it, but I, I've no. heard very good
2: things. Yeah, yeah. I actually played. Uh, when was the end? that was last last week, wasn't it? That was this week. Yeah, last,
1: <laughs> last week.
2: I was uh, actually playing Merkboy there. For we were we rented like a cabin. Me and a couple of friends, other than Talle. I'm sorry. And yes. <laughs> and we played uh, Murkborg for two days and that was also there when i was filming this pre-filmed thank you speech and i was hungover and tired but yeah it's a lot of fun oh,
0: that's really cool uh and uh, an- another question uh, more rapid fire what uh who would you like to shout out or recognize who is not yourself either another content creator or another designer something like that
2: oh um just I I'll just say the rest of Stockholm cartel because there's some really cool stuff coming and and it's it's gonna be it's gonna be a nice uh, next couple of years I think.
1: Mm-hmm. Paley, yeah, I think. Uh, may I want to make a shout out to Chris McDowell for Electric Bastionland. Uh, it's a very heavy book to carry, but. Uh, <laughs> I like the content uh, very much uh, when when I, uh, yeah, uh, design-wise. Uh,
0: I'll second that. That's an oh. excellent book. I'll it absolutely. Yeah. Uh, lo- lots good. of good
1: advice in that book. Yeah. Hmm. Um, on game mastering, for example.
2: Yeah. Uh, I'll also give a short shout-out to um, Highland Paranormal Society. He uh, makes a lot of cool stuff recently. I think one and any for um, Tunnel Goons, which is a free uh, rules light game. It's really
0: amazing stuff.
3: Yeah.
2: So.
0: All right. Uh, And Daniel, I believe that you have some rapid fire questions of your own.
3: I do. I don't know if we asked this one of people before, but what would be your favorite character death in past history? Wow.
2: Well, in real life. Um, <laughs> a play that died horribly, yeah. Oh, right, that's like an actual death. Like, uh, <laughs> oh, no. who's your favorite dead person? <laughs> yeah, wow. no. um, oh, there's so many. <laughs>
3: <laughs> I have a feeling that's true.
2: <laughs> um, now that I have a favorite, I, I won't go into too much detail because of two reasons. First, uh, no one wants to hear about your uh, character, <laughs> and I don't want to spoil Tomb of Horrors, but there was there was a, a, a fantastic death involving a, an exploding object and a bag of holding, and it was <laughs> full of stuff. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was glorious.
3: Oh, that's great. Wow. And my second question oh, is... Oh, I'm um, hey, with you, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm, I'm sorry, I couldn't hear the question. Can you uh, say it again, please?
3: What was the, your favorite way that a character you played died?
1: Aha, uh-huh, yeah. Um, uh, one time I was... Uh, I was. I think I was climbing a tower or something like that. And I was... Getting there to the top and uh, then some old lady showed up in a window when I was climbing by and she had some kind of stick some <laughs> or hook or something like that and she, you know, uh, sticked it out through the window and I fell <laughs> down and, and uh, was crushed on a, on a, on a rock uh, maybe. Yeah. You, just so so gently
0: nudged to death. By <laughs> <the whole baby>.
1: <laughs> Shoo. <laughs> and just
2: just uh, open the window, like, oh, oops, sorry, I didn't see you there. Oh <laughs> my God. Oh, you
0: know
3: what? I'm great. not even going to ask my second question because that one was just, those are just too good. I love those. <laughs> all right.
0: Um, all right. And Chris, your rapid fire questions go.
4: Rapid fire question. Uh, do you think that you guys are going to re- release any more playlists or. As you release more content, do you think you'll release another playlist?
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Right.
0: Yes, yeah, There we go. There we go. Uh, by the yeah, way, I do I, want to point out that that Spotify playlist is fantastic and is certainly worth your time. Uh, unless you're not a fan of like metal in any case, in which case, why are you playing Morkborg? Actually, play I Morkborg anyway. Yeah, but, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. We
2: actually, uh, I think we have three playlists out now. Oh. There's, yeah, there's one. There's one for the uh, the core rule book. There's one for the um, scene. My Cult called Ferretori. and there's also one. that's quite hidden away, but there's a link in our Discord that I posted. That was from our uh, release party. That was also oh, That'll played. be very oh, nice. Awesome. Yeah. So.
0: Is it just a bunch of like triumphant metal? Like-
2: <laughs> <laughs> no, like no, exactly. It's just like a drone funeral doom. Just like boom. Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> three hours. I, uh
0: all right no. all right uh and with that gentlemen uh you have successfully completed the rapid fire question portion of this podcast Whew. which means that you can now go ahead and plug whatever you want to plug uh obviously we've done a lot of that for you already but if you have like a side project or something else that you like maybe you have your own you know like you you know, fancy whiskey blog that you have that you want to draw attention to. You have that option as well. But by all means, please please
1: plug and promote whatever you'd like to. Uh,
2: Pelle, you go first.
1: Uh, I don't have anything specific, actually. It's uh, not that I can think of. Uh, It's very much Murkborg right now. It's the only thing I have time for. (laughs) <laughs> well, yeah.
2: yeah, but with that said, it's gonna come more stuff from McPoy. So
1: yeah. yeah, and I think it will be not that far away uh, <laughs> when we r- reveal some new things coming. Yeah. It's it will be quite a cool autumn. It, maybe actually, there's a couple of things coming uh, yeah. before before Christmas very yeah, exciting yeah, yeah
0: and for for those of us who might not know where would we be able to find morkborg
2: um, you'll find us on pretty much all social media channels uh, so we're on Facebook Instagram Twitter we have a discord you can go to morkborgcom as well to get all the links to wherever we we are and we're we have our there's a subreddit as well but it's not super active Uh but so yeah, and just give us shoot us a message or a DM, and we'll answer everything. And we're we're, we're very easy to approach. I hope, uh, or try to be at least. And but um, I also I want to give a short shout out to um uh both two things. There's a scene from the Swedish Ozar scene called Night Yeast, and I think you should all keep an eye on that one because and the second issue is gonna is gonna be produced soon. Uh, we just announced it. And it's going to include a bunch of cool stuff. Um, and also there's a game coming from uh, my dear Stockholm cartel called death in space. That's going to be really, really awesome. So keep your eyes on that one as well.
0: Awesome. All right, gentlemen, thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a real pleasure and oh man, the, the, the goblins in trench. Coat. That, <laughs> uh, that's something fun. All right. Thank, again, thank you so much for coming
2: yeah thank you for having us yeah thank you too it's really fun for having us yeah
0: and that was our interview with pele and johan for the creators of Morkborg. holy shit that was a really fucking Uh fun interview you guys
3: that goblin what was it called it had a really long name
0: three goblins in a trench coat a time machine looking for love i'm pretty sure something like that yeah
3: subtitles like i think um love and dungeons or what was it called God damn it. We just. We can just you find love it. in we, a dungeon? Yes.
0: Can no. Th- can th- no. No. That's an anime. Chris is trying to push his Shh. anime agenda. No. no I, what? <laughs> Look, we gave How you, you know an entire that? episode of anime. Shit, Christopher. <laughs> you had your shot. You had multiple shots. It's about tricking Daniel. <laughs>
3: I would have fallen for it. My favorite part, though, was when um, Pele's character fell out of a window and died from an old lady poking
0: He was me. nudged <laughs> to death. An old lady nudged him with a that stick so until good. he died. That's amazing. So yeah. Uh, what, what did you, uh, Chris, what did you get out of the interview? What would you say is w- one of your big takeaways? I,
4: I just love the fact that when they got hooked up with the publisher, they were just like, let's do everything. And yeah. they were most yeah. worried that it wouldn't work out. And it actually and yet, is one of the biggest successes about it.
0: Absolutely, absolutely. I mean, I, I mean, four any wins or five any wins or something like that. That's a huge deal, man. That's so cool. Uh, yeah. Also, the the fact that they didn't have a setting when yeah. and and Pella was like, ah, I just kind of like shot it out in like a couple of days. I'm like, <laughs> dude, you made that in a couple of days? Like, Jesus.
3: This is amazing humility they have too. Like they said they didn't think anyone would like this, like when they were creating it. Like that's I crazy. feel like
0: that's a you Scandinavian know? thing. Um <laughs> you know, I, I feel like Scandinavians are like humbled by like the nature surrounding them. So it's like, yeah, that totally made that totally checks with me anyway. Um, it makes it even
3: more badass, I think.
0: Yeah, no, they, they they were really awesome guys. And if you haven't heard of Morkborg yet, oh, buy it. you should go and look at it and buy it and buy it twice because you're going to have to it, burn it to the first it. copy. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and don't look at the PDF. You can buy the PDF. Just don't look at the PDF. Right. Obviously. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so that'll do it for this episode of world build with us. If you want to send us your own world building idea, show premise or if you have an uh, if you have an in with someone that you think we would want to interview go ahead and send us an email at worldbuildwithus@gmail.com at gmail.com or you can go ahead and send us a message on twitter at let's world build and we'll be happy to chat with you guys and remember that you're going to get through the week we love you very much and we're in this together